Hey, Tamara, how's it going? It's going amazingly. How's it going with you, Faye? Well, I'm feeling fantastic, but you look awesome. But we, we won't get people distracted into how we each look since they can't see us. But welcome to Disrupt and Lead. And I'm so grateful that you've decided to be with us today to talk about disruptions and leading and kind of how we take the stuff that's happened, these conversations that we have about the crazy chaotic life we live and how we take them and make them into courageous movement, you know, to create more of what we want. So um, everybody will, will, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself, but you know, in an informal way, because your, your stuff is in the show notes and every, we'll tell everybody how to find you. But before you introduce yourself, you were earlier talking about Black Eyed Peas. So what's your favorite song by Black Eyed Peas? Dirty bed. <laughs> I came out here to rock, <laughs> light a fire, make it hot. <laughs> So, so this is the jive music. Okay, I need to, I'm gonna make some notes because I, I I'm gonna put on some jive music afterwards. Okay, favorite music. What's your favorite image? If you want to kind of like an uplifting image to imagine, what's your favorite picture that you pop to mind? Bear. A bear. Care Bear. Okay, the Care Bear. Okay. Do you know how I feel about the Care Bear stare of love out from from your heart, right? Like it's just like from our hearts. Like we are Care Bears. We are just shining love light on those that we are impacting in the world. Sidebar, New Kids on the Block is my favorite band and Mumford and Sons, I was rocking to Black Eyed Peas. Okay. okay, all right, so we have, so I need to put all of that in the show notes. We're gonna definitely do that. And then what would your favorite color be? Energizing Green. color. Green. Green, yep. like the earth, like Mama Earth, like the goddess, like feminine energy, like the heart chakra. Heart chakra is also green. I made a good choice today. I know. <laughs> I know. There's so much about green. It's life. It's like, you know what I mean? It's, it is never ending. It doesn't, I think of the grass and the trees and the leaves and they just exist. They're not trying to please anyone or do anything wrong or right. They just grow, man. They don't, they don't think about growing. They just grow. Green is awesome. One of my favorite, like just calming colors. It energizes you and it's calming me. So uh, guys, you can't see, I'm holding like a large green tomorrow and I'm not sure. I think it's fluoride. Um, and I brought it out before the show just to say, hey, this is what I'm feeling, and now her favorite color is green. So we're in sync today. Totally. So, also a good band, in sync. In sync. That's funny. So disruption. Who are you, Tamara? And then what kind of disruption came your way in your life? One of them. I am a human being and a human body and a human experience. And, you know, I think that that's what we are all here really doing into like is learning to ground ourselves back into just that knowing, right. And not getting caught up in everything that's going on around us, which I did for most of my life, (laughs) get caught up in the chaos that was surrounding me. Um, So knowing that my entire life and being has been tied to the emotional well-being of others and mental illness. Um, that is what I am here to disrupt is wow. the stigma that surrounds, you know, all different levels and layers of mental illness. I have been, you know, the daughter, I have been the mother and the the wife to someone who suffers. I have also been a sufferer. Like I know it like the back of my hand. I know you know, the darkness when it's creeping up and it's whispering in our ears. I have been privy to that conversation. 
And so what I want to do is shift the conversation. So what's your earliest memory of mental illness? 10. Wow. 10 years old. Um, and my mom got really sad because something happened, not my story to tell. And she just went into a dark, dark place, a deep depression. And my little 10 year old self saying, okay, I got to make my mom happy. I need to, I need to, I took the responsibility of my mom's happiness on myself. But that's also because I'm a highly sensitive empath. And that is been my, you know, you know, my greatest strength, but also my, my greatest weakness at the same time. I feel like, you know, every, every superpower has its flip side that, that, like, you know, that kryptonite, that kind of darker side that can be. So when did you notice or become aware of mental illness as a personal situation for yourself or as a personal experience for you? You know, I think that because I was always told I was a strong one, I kept this really strong barrier around me. Like I was, um, you know, immune or not uh, capable of, of feeling the same level of sadness as everyone around me because I was constantly in the state of trying to lift their thoughts, feelings, and emotions. But I got to tell you, I was 19 when I got pregnant and 20 when I had my son, and I was scared snotless. Like I was like, will uh, will this be it? Yeah. Will be the, this be the moment that, you know, I suffer from, you know, postpartum because I always thought of myself as sitting on a fence, right on the edge of a fence post, and I could fall either way. Okay. And it was like, it didn't matter wh where the wind was blowing. It was like, oh, I'm getting a little close to like joy or, oh, no, I'm a little on the sadness side. And so the birth of my son was my, my most nerve wracking experience. And I still felt the same nervousness with my daughter. Um, but I mean, we all suffer from sadness or the inability to, to be motivated at some point, but it really crushed me only four years ago. Okay. And was there, was there a trigger moment four years ago or what, yes. what happened? Okay, good. Can you tell so, us? So, yeah. So, you know, having grown up with a family that suffered from mental illness, I tried to run away a lot. Like I went to Brazil that's how far I went when I was 17 for a year. Cause I was like, Ooh, nope, this is too much for me. Moved out when I was 17. Also got accepted into a rotary exchange when I was 17. Like I was like running, out. running yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. as far as I could get. Um, but by the time I was 19, I wanted a love that didn't come with expectations. And I had my son, which didn't answer my problems, made him a little worse because he was a little cocktail of mental illness himself. And so raising him as a high needs child, um, he had oppositional defiance disorder, which really is not my favorite. Not fun. <laughs> not fun. And so when he got to 16, things were too elevated. And I asked him to seek medical help or not come home. And he was in the hospital at that time for um, suicidal, uh, what is it, ideation. ideation. Mm -hmm. And he had a chair and a cord in my, in my laundry room. And uh, he wouldn't seek medical help. He just didn't see himself as, I don't know, worthy enough or wanting to support himself. He chose living on the streets, which made me feel so bad as a parent that I almost became worse, hypervigilant, more codependent, like, you know, I had to fix the problem. I'm a terrible mom, the guilt, the shame, all of that, until we reached a pinnacle toxicity that neither one of us were actually uh, capable of having a normal relationship. And I broke up with him, um, my own son, when, when he was 17. And he's going to be 20, he did the 21 this month, right? And, uh, and so uh, that moment of looking 
at my son and saying, we're done. We're done. Wow. Like you're off Facebook. We're not talking. Don't try and, I know Facebook's serious. And then <laughs> like, and like we are not in each other's lives and being willing to walk away. And that's, that's the part that I think hits home for me in that moment. I was willing to walk away forever because the behaviors and the relationship was so toxic that if it were anyone else other than my son, I wouldn't have invested this long in trying to fix the problem, but he was my son. And so I kept trying, but when it got to this one instant, that was just too big, too big to ignore. And um, that was it. And then that's when that triggered, that was when the darkness whispered so loud that I just succumbed. I succumbed to not wanting to do anything, be anywhere, be anyone, just sadness. So it's it sounds like you you made a healthy choice and yet you succumb like it was it was a healthy choice and yet it can't kind of open the door to your own deep darkness. Like how how do we reconcile those two? Because I know sometimes as moms we want to do the right thing. And, and yet, because I know I get so attached to the result of the right thing, I might be tempted to see that darkness in myself as you did the wrong thing. How did you work through that? Well, I think there's a level of grief in that moment too, right? Like grief for the loss of, you know, this relationship that I, I wanted to have with my son. Grief for, you know, the loss of a certain individual that consumed my life for 17 years. He was my existence. I have other children, but his needs were so big that, you know, he kind of came first. And in that moment, I was also grieving myself because I remember walking into the living room and going, Oh, Holy snotballs. This isn't good. This is not good because I became Ethan's mom and I don't even know who Tamara is anymore. And that actually that open road of, possibility and opportunity and freedom was scarier than the breakup with Ethan on some level. And, and I think that not wanting to face those things is what created the sadness, but the sadness became my greatest gift, mm. right? That was the gift that I really truly feel came out of this experience because it was in those moments when I had nothing else no one else to take my attention, nothing else to, you know, focus on. And I would just simply have to sit with myself mm -hmm. that I started to have those internal conversations. What can I do today to feel just a little bit better than yesterday? And then taking action on those small things, whether it was simply to have a shower, because I haven't showered in like days, you know, <laughs> wash your hair, Tamara, you're getting a little greasy, go to the therapist, have a bath, go for a walk, small, tiny things that over time started to shift my energy and shift me back into a state. Like when we think about emotions on a scale, you know, sadness, grief, guilt, shame, blame, overwhelm, they're very low. And we can't just jump from there to joy and bliss. Like that's wow. not even, we don't even see that as, as anything that we can even like attain. And so it was not just on the radar. It's not even on the radar. And so they're just like, okay, how do I get from grief to sadness and sadness to overwhelm and overwhelm to, you know, guilt and guilt to shame and then blame and then release and release and release until you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm not having such a terrible day. Maybe I can do a little more today. And you just keep moving through that emotion 
and dealing with the emotion and feeling the emotion. And then eventually you're above water and you're like, wow, there's light up here. But when you're in the hole, you can't just go from the hole to the light. So in the hole, did it ever feel though, like you couldn't get like it, this like extent of emotion, heaviness, it wouldn't, it would, it would just overwhelm me It would just like a heavy blanket and I wouldn't come out. And there was, there was a, like, there was a brief time. I would probably say, so have you ever done the strength finders test? Yeah. I okay. Have. My, my number one strength is positivity. Ah. Okay. Like, I don't know anyone else who has a number one strength of positivity. Like, I've seen that one. It's not on. <laughs> no, it's not on a lot of people's lists. Okay. So like, even in the darkness, I had a level of positivity. It's why I'm a coach. It was why I was a personal trainer. It's why I do exceptionally at raising the vibration of others is because I'm like, there's a solution. We can do this positivity all the way. Right. Care bear stare. Care bear stare. And so, yes, there was like that level of, I could stay here forever. Like I could stay here in this thought or in this emotion. But then there was a bigger voice that said, you can stay here if you just do this one small thing, right? And, and that was the voice that kind of whispered in the other ear that said, yeah, totally. All I want you to do is go distinctify and you can go back and lay in your lazy boy chair, right? You could just have to go just get some sunlight and then you can go back and lay in the lazy boy chair. I spent months in the lazy bear boy chair, which we just threw out, by the way, which was kind of like a moment. My husband was like, hey, do you know your depression chair got thrown out? And I was like, oh my God. Depression chairs in the house. <laughs> That's a big deal. Um, but it was just like that that little pieces, right? But I kept going back to the sadness. It was just a small opening of the window, letting the, the fresh breeze in, and then going back in, into the sadness again. But it lasted like five or six months of doing these small things before I got to the light. And I think that's such a, it's almost, it's gratifying to me anyway, because I'm, I'm the kind of person who kind of gets all or nothing. It's like, let's do all the things. It's like, well, we can't do all the things. We can do nothing. But it's just, it's, you know, that, that incremental shift can make such a huge difference. So that's pretty, that's, that's hopeful. So thank you. Well, and that's, that's part of like how I feel about everything in my life now, right? Because of those, because of the darkness, like I said, it was the greatest gift I ever received. And so I now believe with everything, even with my business, with my relationships, with everything, it's like small set steps done every day cover a lot of distance over time. Instead of the, oh no, I didn't do this thing. Let's just crash for six weeks and, you know, sink into, into depression. So I want to talk about business in a second, but I'm curious about this one thing because you, you're gifted at this reframing. So you broke up with your son. I know that lots of my listeners are moms. And so that, there's an internal part of me that feels, oh no, Tamara abandoned Ethan. Like, how did you, what, how did you work through that? Or was it that you just immediately had another frame or like what? what no, I went into the birth that how I dealt with it was I can't tell anyone. I've got to hide in my house because people with pitchforks are going to come to my door and stab me and say, you're a terrible mother. You're the worst mother ever. You're the, you abandon your son. And now, you know, it was bad enough when he, he um, moved it, like into the downtown shelter and lived on the streets of St. Catharines, right? That was bad enough. And then, you know, when it was the full breakup, it was, I don't want to see it be seen in public. I, I can't go out and tell people this is happening in my life. Like I hid, that was my, that was my response to all of this. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And so from there, it was the developing the small steps and realizing that, again, I did it through meditation, which we didn't talk about, which was one of the things that I heard in my head, you know, what is one small step I could do? And then okay. I received meditate and I was like, I don't know how to meditate. They're like, who cares? Do it anyway, kind of thing. <laughs> and so that process allowed me to realize that I was not responsible for Ethan's journey, that he chose it long before he got here on this earth. Okay. And that I was just a, a I am still just a facilitator and guide for my children's path. I am not responsible for their paths. And I think that that's such a huge shift for many of us because we kind of, I birthed humans, I'm responsible for them. And then, oh my goodness, my kid is doing X, Y, Z. That's about me. And this being able to separate enough to kind of, he's on his path and you are on your path, almost freed you up to be on your own path because your responsibility for his path had you completely like unaware of your own path so it seemed what you're saying when you when you got confronted like that's so true because like again codependency and I truly believe if we have a child with high needs we have a level of codependency that occurs right even in the relationship that we have there is a small level now if you happen to be somebody who absorbs the emotions and feelings of others a heightened state of codependency and that's what I live in right like I live in a constant state of going like well okay stop Enough is enough to marry your second and too many people's things today. Like, you know, <laughs> let go, let it go. But where Ethan was concerned, I became hyper vigilant. I was a young mom, so I started really, really young with the idea of, ooh, I was a teenage pregnancy. I'm uh, just following another statistic. I was a high school dropout teenage pregnancy. Let's just throw them all down, right? <laughs> like, like, I was like, if there was anything, like I had both my children out of wedlock. I did not follow any of the societal like expectations or rules that anyone laid out for me. So I always felt like I was rolling a really heavy rock uphill. And so I took on this, this like almost like I must fix all the things that I feel like I have created in this world, including Ethan. And so I did that from a parental standpoint, mama bear, there are no no systems in place. There's nothing that really truly helps. I've got to fight the fight. We've seen X amount of therapists. Ethan doesn't want to tell his story anymore. I'm going to speak for him. I'm going to be the only person who speaks for him. I'm going to be his number one champion. And you think in the moment that it's happening, you're doing it from a state of, you know, love and and support but the more we take the reins of being the only champion or the only responsibility for somebody else then we are just like losing ourselves further and further and deeper and deeper into the belief that we are somebody else's something and so yes when ethan and i broke up there was this freedom to explore who i was again which was the ultimate in discomfort for me the ultimate, because I had been from 10 until 37, something for somebody else. Wow. Wow. And I, you know, it's funny because I just had a conversation with a mom who said she was reading my book and I asked some questions about how to, what do you really want? And she was like, I have no idea. I don't know how to answer those questions. And, you know, as you know, I have a son with autism who's 20. And I think after so many years, it's, a, it's so much of a habit this kind of being responsible for somebody else's life that you're like, I'm not, I'm not attending to my own and I don't even realize it, you know? So, so how did you turn that on its head? You, 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 we talked business. There's a mention of 
couple of things. What, how did you turn that around? So you meditated, you... Yeah, so during meditation, I started to receive guidance, um, which is, I think we all have the capacity to hear intuition or, you know, a voice from something far greater than us or whatever, and not think we're crazy, because that's the first thought we do is like, oh, I must be hearing voices in my head. But then we realize that they're only telling us to do really wonderful things. And so how can the voice be bad if it's guiding me to do really, really positive things? And so it was through that guidance that I started to receive kind of like nudges or I would see signs and synchronicities or be thinking about something and see the answer in front of me. And that awareness, that's the shift, right? The awareness to notice what is happening around you. And I mean, it started with that thought of, you know, do the meditation and then turning on my Facebook and there was a, ad it's like the Facebook is silly it just like knows what you're thinking and it was like it's creepy (laughs) it's so creepy and so it was like 30 days with the angels pre-meditation and I was like whoa I just received like I was supposed to meditate now the thing's there right and so I just started to like breadcrumbs follow the path that I was being guided to do which led me to join something that was a year-long like $500 mentorship membership something with Leonie Dawson And it was in there that I really started to feel like I belonged somewhere and that belonging, like I didn't talk to anybody in that thing. Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) I was too shy. What was I going to say? People are going to hate me. Like all the things, right? Right. right. But she had all of these like library of meditations and courses I could take. And it was this one thing and you guys know it because I share it with everybody I work with. And it was a list of 50 things I love to do. Ah. And that list. It's a great list. It's a great list. But it was the death of me at the time, Faith. But, oh my God. I was like, what? Do, oh my God. It was like nauseating to try and figure out what I loved for myself because I had spent so long not doing right. anything. But that list catapulted everything else you see in my right. life and business from that point on. So let's fast forward to the to the almost present moment, this this kind of time when you've turned this completely around because you and Ethan aren't broken up anymore. It lasted six months. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened? Did he just kind of say, okay, mom, I, I give in. I'm going to get men- medical help or what, what happened? That's basically what he said. <laughs> okay. Almost verbatim. He sent me a message in Messenger in Facebook and said, um, mom, I need your help. I think I need to go on some medication. I need, I need to figure out who to talk to. Who was it that we spoke to at this point? And I said, okay. And I found that information and I sent him the name and number of the person he was looking for. And then it was a slow trust building. It wasn't like we jumped back into being mom and son again. It was slow, like conversations and then adding back on Facebook (laughs) and then like, you know, meeting each other and testing the waters and you know it it took and there were some hiccups and there were definitely some obstacles that we had to get through but you know Mm -hmm. he had shown when you break a pattern that i'm going on like we severed a pattern that we had been living in consistently for you know from almost 17 years yeah yeah so like being willing that walking away didn't allow for the same you know you had to create a new pattern. You had to, you really are reconstructing um, life together after yeah. you did this disruption. And it's like, I feel like in our lives, when we 
experience disruptions. For me, um, a big one was the diagnosis of my son. And then when we begin to reshape life, it's really a very incremental, it's like nothing makes sense. So you have to put things together slowly. Like, well, what is this world? What's the new normal going to look like? So now your new normal, Ethan's back and doing awesomely. Like I saw his paintings, um, that he did his Facebook page with his paintings. So he is doing well as an entrepreneur um, in terms of establishing himself. You've reshaped completely. Do you still see yourself as a personal trainer or how do you do oh, but I actually you do see myself as, again, a human, a human body experience enthusiast, we'll say, because everything in my life has been about the study of humans. So personal training with the, you know, musculoskeletal system of the human. And then I got into nutrition, which was the cellular makeup of the human. And then, you know, now I do energy work, which is the energetic body of the human. But we're all those things, right? right. And so since I was in my early 20s, this has been everything that I've placed all my attention into. So then this is just, um, it's almost... Uh... It's just a natural result of you being able to give attention to who you really are, the, the, the place that you're standing in right now. Well, I don't think we know until, like, it's almost like when we had our podcast, it's like we don't see it till all of a sudden we're, like, looking back and we're like, the back, okay, right? this, is how it connects. this has been going on a long time. I've been right. doing this my whole life on some level. Right. Just you know, again, clarity comes with movement and being willing to take the small steps and be open to receiving what's next. So then a woman who's listening to us here have this conversation about kind of like the, the chaos and she's saying, okay, cool. So we're, I'm in, I'm clearly, my life has been disrupted. Um, and you're saying what, just, just move forward. Is this just, trust like what 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 are no, we saying it's, it's get to know yourself get ah. to know yourself right like we don't need to singularly be just a mother or just a wife or just you know a friend to somebody else or you know a caregiver to our parents or all of those things who are you get to know you because it's through the modeling of becoming our true selves that we make the most impact in the lives of those around us so outside of our roles tomorrow no that's disruptive Outside yes. of our <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So in your work right now, how would you say that you are taking this idea forward um, for yourself as a human and in your individual kind of business, how you're modeling it, your business, as well as your work with your clients? Like, how are you taking this idea of uh, turn this on, your, on its head, know yourself and turn this on its head? Well, and then it began with being brave enough to write the book called My Kid is Driving Me Crazy, A Mom's Survival Guide for Living with a Child with Mental Illness and saying, guys, I figured it out. I figured it out how we survive children with mental illness or high needs children or things like that. We focus on ourselves. And it was like, what? You can't do that. Like, no, no. <laughs> so, but it's the answer because the answer is always found within us, right? So it began this journey of seeking that and helping other mothers seek that, you know, that that true self, that inner being, what it is that lights them up. And then they started to notice when they were focusing on themselves that it was shifting the relationships and the behaviors of with their partners, with their families, with their children, 
And then, yeah, it up-leveled a little bit more when I kind of downloaded that I could read chakras. And that was the gift that the universe gave me to, to really up-level it to the next, you know, phase of you know, going in and really realizing that we have seven floors on our energetic being and that if we are willing to do a deeper dive, home and garden, each floor, go through all the boxes, let go of the things that don't serve us, that don't represent who we are, that is not a belief that we can stand for or, or stand in anymore. Being willing to create that space within ourselves opens us up to receive what it is truly that we are here on this earth to do. And you've turned that into something that makes money for you. The Chakra Business Academy, yeah. Awesome. Academy. So that is defining your status because half the time the, the message is, but I don't know what I'm here to do in the first place. Right. Mm -hmm. So what if we all had an innate gift? And when we realize, cause we do that, we just need to amplify it, activate it, connect with it, listen to it, feel it. And I mean, as kids, we knew what it was. Mm -hmm. We knew what we wanted to be, do, you know what I mean? When I went back and did my 50 things, I, could tell you it had everything to do with journals, stationary writing, <laughs> poems, reading books, coloring, like everything was in that space. And that's what I do now, right? I write, I read, and I support others through my books. And then I do that through the programs that I've created through my books, right? I coach I, them. No, I was just thinking as you were talking about, um, there's some, there's a picture that you created just now with your words that the brought me back to the Marie Kondo image um, that you're basically it's clearing the clutter and it's getting the junk out so that you can see what's really there because because you know like in my kids room I can say like, where is the iPhone charger it's in your room it is it is in your room but there's just this whole bunch of other stuff that's there too so we can't see it and it's it's, it's like your clarity for yourself has helped you to figure out how to help other people declutter so that sure. we can get to see what's going on Correct. To, to find, I always say that your stardust is like your favorite pair of underwear, you know what I mean? And like your heart <laughs> is the laundry room and you've thrown your, your favorite pair of underwear, your stardust, your light, your mission, your soul's purpose, whatever, into your heart center. And you're like, oh, and then you all the dirty laundry accumulates all over it. And you walk in, think about this. If you walk in and you've got everybody's laundry all over, it's like a needle in a haystack to even think about finding that look, all the work you have to do, all the laundry, all the things, the folding, you're not going to, you're not going to search for that underwear. You're just going right. to give up on the underwear. Right. You're right. You just get super functional. That's like, just clear a path in here so yes. I can walk through and yes. <laughs> just get cluttered. Yeah. So we've had this journey through to this place where it feels solid and centered and clear. Um, and yet, I don't know, in my life anyway, I've, I've just noticed that it's like we go through cycles or um, iterations of the same thing. Like one process prepares us for the next. So what's in the future for you? What's, where are you headed? And what's the disruption that's either now or on the horizon? If you can share that with us. To, to prepare well, I'll you for say it next. in much nicer words than I oh. said it before we got on the podcast. <laughs> And it is especially true for those who are, you know, just coming to the realization that, you know, following the step-by-step -step societal, you know, check marks and checked boxes that get us to where we are in a state of discomfort, because of course that takes us from our true path of self most times, not all times, but we get to that level of, is this really it? Like I've checked all the boxes, what's next? Right. right? Like say you get to that 
perfect family and you get the job and you've got the kids and you've got the picket fence and you got the thing. And then you're like, Hmm, mm. what the what, right? <laughs> like what's next? And so I want to disrupt by, by bringing the awareness that it's not a business funnel. It's not something on the outside of us that solves the answer to that question, which is where we mostly go. Well, you know, I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to make this blind leap into the unknown and start something that feels really good for myself. But we do that by seeking external validation or approval or, right. you know, circumstances to, to, to mark her off continuing the path of checking the boxes and, you know, getting those check marks. And I strongly want to disrupt the world and let them know that the fastest way to really make a difference in the path of the blind leap and jumping into the unknown creating the life of your dreams is through your own personal seven floors of your energy, the energy funnel all the way down to your root chakra where you ground into who you are and who you're really here to serve. And then it just like a beautiful light hits this mirror and reflects back into this universe, like a bat signal. The end. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, no, that that's hysterical, right? Because it sounds like you're saying, okay, so things have settled and I decide I want to start a thing I should not ask for advice on how to start the thing and I should not um, follow the, 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 the guidance that's out there. Mind you, the guidance is conflicting, but the guidance that's out there that says, do it this way. These are the five steps to creating a business, side hustle project, whatever. You're saying somehow that I know the answer already? Um, a, yes. B, because the answer will be you'll follow the herd you will do what everybody else is doing until you have a clear idea of who you are and what you want so start within yourself you will need support and help but when you're making a decision based solely on um an external reaction to something yeah. right as opposed to an internal intuitive like true like knowing then it's a significant difference and it will also save you a ton of money it will. <laughs> it will. <laughs> it will. No, because I think as I'm listening to you and I'm just thinking about the different business decisions I've taken, the biggest gift I've given myself is learning to notice what's in sync with me and what isn't. But I had to know me first. Yeah. So until I know what's my job, then I, I don't know. So I'm like, oh, I need help, you know, getting clients. John says this, Mary says that, Susan says this, Peter says that. How do I try them all? to find what will fit. And of course, that's expensive energy-wise if you're a mom of a child with special needs like I am who has the emotional capacity to invest in doing everything everybody is saying. And so, you know, I, as I talk with women, I, I'm, I have been encouraging, hey, 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 if we could step back and just know what fits you and then you can pursue that person's guidance if you want. Yeah. And, and also like if you're talking about, you know, getting clients or stepping up and doing these things, the answer really is just to talk to people. Like, talk to, it's, what? It's just talk to people? Talk to people. Just start <laughs> conversations. Like, you know, we want somebody to solve our problem for us. They're going to tell us what to do, but we often won't take action on what they're telling us to do because it doesn't feel good or comfortable for us in the first place. Like somebody saying, write a post on Facebook. You're like, I can't do that. What are people going to say? That's not right. That's not okay. Mm -hmm. But really, if they're you- They're going to judge me. Yeah. So if you did the initial work, which was, you know, to get through releasing fear of judgment, approval, people pleasing, or, you know, not having clear boundaries, you would be just simply 
going to your computer and saying, hey, can we have a talk? I just want to talk to you. And, and that in itself is how it happens. It's so much more organic than I think people lead us to believe. <laughs> um, I, I love this idea of just being in sync with uh with our heart and with what we know we want to do. And of course, being separate from the, what are people going to say and how are people going to respond? And just really, you know, saving that energy for the work that we're here on the planet to do. What's a, what's a personal um, disruption that you're experiencing now that is preparing you to be this disruptive force in the business funnel kind of getting rid of space? What's a personal kind of shift you're going through? Well, I think that coming up, you're going to see a lot of conversations with me um, about, you know, the fact of the diagnosis being for the spiritually gifted. (laughs) So that'll be a fun conversation to disrupt because as you know, the majority of people that come to work with me have, you know, certain qualities about them, whether they're intuitive, empaths, uh, readers, energy readers, psychics, whatever. Um, and, And really us all having the same conversation of, yes, I have suffered from this, or I've been diagnosed with that, and shifting the conversation about the initial diagnoses in the first place. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, What's one bit of, I would say, wisdom that you would offer to somebody who's listening now? And of course, um, Anything else that you feel that you might want to say as we wrap up and as we close? But what's what's a, a key, a nugget, a key, a bit of wisdom? So whenever you're going to make a decision, right? Whenever you're sitting down and you're saying, should I do this? Should I not do this? Is this the right thing for me? Is this my path? Whatever. Start to begin to trust the first answer that you receive. Ah. Um, because our, you know, our thoughts are, are very easily swayed. And so when you are making a decision and you're like, you know, should I reach out to Faith and work with her? Should I reach out to Tamara and work with her? Should I reach out to this person? And you get a yes, but then you do this. Well, how's my husband going to think? Maybe I should ask my friends. Maybe this is still too expensive. <laughs> maybe it's this or maybe it's that. And then all of a sudden you don't do the thing that you are asking the question, receive the answer. It's going to be a hard yes, hard no. It's going to help you guide your path. And even if it, you know, it's a decision that ultimately didn't feel like it brought you something. It's still taking a step. You're learning a lesson. It's, it's creating the space and the movement required for you to step fully into your being. Right. Mm-hmm. So all I, I have a saying, you know, the first answer is the right answer and then your ego gets in the way. So really pay mind to what's going on when you're just beginning. Um, you know, what's, what's exciting and what's new is, you know, I am super super jazzed about my third book, which will be going on Amazon in May 21st, which Woo! is The Blind Leap, How to Jump into the Unknown and Create the Business of Your Dreams, because I want to disrupt. I want to make everybody do this properly and do their own energy funnel before, you know, investing in all the other things. And so that this book will be the first phase of you, you putting yourself and your energy above and beyond anything else that can happen on the external world. I think it's really funny how um, we're playing with this word disrupt and your camera is being so disruptive. I was like, what is even the gift that your camera is offering us as, as it records, uh, not records, as it goes, comes and goes? Because I know I am listening now. I, I'm so attached to watching faces, but I'm really listening to you in a way that I would normally just be kind of reading your body. And so um, this is such a, I think, a clear 
example of how we can allow something to be um, challenging or we can kind of hear what the gift is in the moment. Um, and so I know that autism has been a gift to me, even though that's a really hard thing for many people to, to hold on to. And I've heard lots of arguments about that. Why would autism be a gift and so on? And I hear you saying that, that Ethan's diagnosis, that um, your own sadness was a gift to you. And I, I really appreciate how you've shared that. And I, um, my encouragement, I think, as, as our listeners are taking this in, is to really hold on to, as difficult as it might feel, to hold on to this idea that there's an opportunity and a gift in the moment that you're in. Well, um, and I get to share that with my son now, right? Like I say to him, you, have, you are the greatest gift I've ever received. Wow. With the greatest lesson and the greatest gift. And, you know, and then you look at your 20-year-old and he's look at, looking at you. I'm like, you're not letting that in, are you? He's like, I'm having a hard time. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he truly is. Because without him, without our story, without what we've been through, I wouldn't be this Tamara. I wouldn't be serving the community and tribe. I wouldn't be standing up to break the stigma of mental illness. You know what I mean? I would not be in the trajectory of my life that I currently am. So I'm grateful. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Oh my, whoa, look at the time. Okay. I meant for us to be talking for half an hour. It looks like this, we're talking a little longer. Um, so um, how can people find you if they want to get their stardust kind of dusted off or figured out or amplified or right. all the things. Yeah. TamaraArnold.ca is my website that will kind of give you all of the information. And then if you want to find me on social media, it's Tamara Arnold author. And uh, yeah, I'm easy to find, easy to message, easy to like connect with, totally invested in, in shifting the vibration of the planet one human at a time. So you guys are super important to me. And so your messages and what you connect with me about is super important to me. And all the stuff is in the show notes. And so we're going to um, make sure, I think by the time this comes out, we'll be really close to your book being out. So I'll be excited to add that link in as well. Thank you, Tamara, for sharing with us. And thank you for the honest and I think sometimes difficult conversation about what happens with us as we, as women, as we engage this bumpy road sometimes with our kids. Um, guys, thank you for listening to Disrupt and Lead. I hope you are finding your path through your disruption and you're turning it on its head and you're creating disruption in the spaces that are around you and living your life with ease and adventure and determination. Take care. Bye.